0: to private equity laid Bear, the podcast today our guest is Peter Morris and we are going to talk about the value bridge and Peter thank you for joining and maybe why don't you tell us what the value bridge is perhaps starting with a simplest case where there is no leverage um, like it's a growth investment how is the value bridge calculated and what's the purpose
1: so the value bridge is a very widely used tool, which practitioners um, very widely use to measure their, what they call their value creation. What, what it does is it takes the capital gain, the equity gain in a deal, and divides it between the growth and earnings and the change in multiple. So in principle, it's a way of um, dividing your gain between earnings growth and what practitioners like to call multiple arbitrage.
0: Because the, the, the formula is something like you take the earnings at the end of a deal minus the earnings at the beginning of a deal, you multiply by the price at which you bought or sold, I never remember, and, then, and, and that would be how much came from the earnings, and then you do plus the price at which you sold minus the price at which you bought, multiply by the earnings at the beginning, and that would be the contribution of a difference in prices. And these two things, um, mathematically you can prove would be equal to a difference in equity um, between the, the end and the beginning. So mathematically in this case, these things are adding up, right? You just have a bit of a choice to make whether you take like the initial price times the delta earnings of the last price or something like that. But the, this initial formula is, is correct mathematically.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and, and the, the formulas in your book and like like any numbers that add up it's very reassuring when numbers add up the problem is they don't mean what practitioners say they mean so
0: so again if there's no leverage it's 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 kind of okay right it's 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 a change in earnings and a ch- versus a change in prices so it's it's basically telling you really what what comes from in your change in value of a company what comes from earnings and what comes from change in prices right
1: That's right. The problem is it doesn't tell you, it doesn't break down the earnings growth between organic and from acquisitions. And on the change in multiple, it takes no account of any change in market multiples. So if interest rates fall by half, you would expect multiples to go up regardless of anything that the private equity firm did.
0: That's right. So so if you if you look at the period where the stock markets went up, then suddenly people will say, Oh, a lot more of my value creation came from increase in prices. But on the other hand, it did came, come from the increase in market prices. It's just it didn't come from an alpha. It just came with a market going up. But but the answer is correct that this much was coming from increasing prices. Correct. And and the important bit as well on the earnings growth and i just always insist on that, and it's quite amazing how in practice uh, this is ignored, is that it's this difference between organic growth and inorganic growth. And we cannot say it enough. If if you were to, when even when there's no leverage once again, if, if you buy a company for, let's say, 100, and the earnings was 10, and then two years later, you buy another company for 100, and the company's is 10, and when you sell this, combined company for a price of 200 and the earnings is now 20 there has been zero growth but if you use this value bridge it will tell you well entry earnings was 10 and earnings at exit was 20 you created plus 10 of earnings so you have this massive you know value attributed to earnings growth while all you did was just buying two separate business putting them together and in my example there was absolutely zero growth
1: Correct. So you said, but let's be careful. You said there was zero growth. More precisely, there was zero organic growth.
0: That's right. There was zero organic growth, what we are interested in, right? Like, inorganic growth is like something I can artificially create, so that doesn't mean anything. I'm always fascinated when I have to, like, um, do this. Sometimes I'm on the jury of, like, what is the best deal of the year? And I see these cases submitted by private equity firms and usually pretty famous ones. And they always say... Oh, in that deal, like earnings increased by 500% over the life of a deal. And like everybody in the jury is like, Ooh, that's a big number. And you're like, they, they have bought 10 other companies in the meantime, that they added to this business. I have no idea whether this number is big or not. And it's, and, and it's quite amazing. And people, or people say, you know, I bought this business initially for a hundred million and I sold it for 500 million. Like, yeah, but you bought four other businesses for 100 million. So it doesn't sound good to me. Um, but Recently, actually, um, there was a French venture capital association, or what was called like that a long time ago. Now it's called France Invest, and and actually, I I saw them recently saying like that they had done a study where they actually disentangled organic growth versus inorganic growth to look at value creation, and um, and I I was fascinated. I really think it's the first one I saw an industry association doing that. I've seen studies in the UK at the European level, etc. They would always just look at total uh, uh, earnings growth, and and it's it's extraordinary. So so now we said this was still not too bad when there was no leverage. Now, uh, it is bad, but not too bad. Now, when we bring leverage into the picture, the value bridge is becoming totally nuts. So can you
1: say more about that? So when you bring leverage into the picture, uh, the way the value bridge measures the effect of leverage on the return is, um, it adds to the return, um, the part of the increase in equity value that came from repayment of debt. So um, if, if you bought a company with 100 of equity, 200 of debt, in five years time, you sold it, and you had paid off 100 million of debt, And if nothing else had changed, so the EV was still 300, then the equity value would have gone up to 200, started at 100, went up to 200 because you've paid off 100 of debt. In the value bridge, that's what is measured as the contribution of leverage to your equity return. And again, as with the earnings and the multiple, the numbers add up. Mathematically, it's
0: correct. Yeah, because you, what, what, you're looking, yeah, what you're looking at in this case is not the delta in equity anymore. You're looking at the delta in, in enterprise value. So then the first part of the formula we, we described earlier is the change in equity value. But for you to obtain the change in enterprise value, you need to add up the change in debt value. And so in the example you gave, debt went down by 100, so equity went up by 100, enterprise value didn't change, so there was zero value creation, um, but there was one third that came from uh, a reduction in debt. So it's seen as 100 here was created by uh, the reduction in debt. Again, it's kind of a play on words, and that's what is often the case in private equities, that like, nobody is lying, otherwise you actually go to jail for that it is it, that you're playing on words and on definitions. Most people were not very careful, we don't see it. Here, technically, debt went down by hundred. You, your contribution of the increase in EV by debt is kind of 100, but it is not a value creation. It is a change in debt level. It is not what debt contributed to your value creation. So for example, if you hadn't changed your debt at all, and you had borrowed, you know, two thirds, like in your example, you have two thirds debt financing, you don't repay the debt at all. The value bridge would say that didn't change during the life of the deal. Therefore, that didn't contribute anything to the value creation. But if you borrow if you borrow 66% of the value of a company and the return on asset is more than what you paid in interest rate uh, for the debt, a lot of money came from borrowing. And so you have this very weird and, 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 and cunning play on words where technically it's not wrong. Again, technically the numbers are adding up like you say, but it doesn't mean what people make it say. And that I find very disturbing.
1: The example I always use is just buying a house with a mortgage. So if you, um, if you buy a house with a 95% mortgage and house prices go up, you'll make a really big return. But according to the value bridge, debt made no contribution to your return because you repaid no debt. And yeah,
0: that's interesting. So if you have an interest only mortgage, you bought your house on 90% debt, interest rate only mortgage, house prices go up, you do a killing, but that is said not to have contributed anything to your increase in wealth because the nominal value of the debt hasn't changed.
1: Correct. And then you take it to the next logical um, ridiculousness, which I'm sure you're looking forward to getting to Ludo, which is, um, let's go back to a a buyout where the sponsor is making lots of acquisitions. So in this case, the, the, the private equity firm starts out with one firm, and then borrows additional capital, so borrows additional loans to buy new acquisitions, so that the earnings go up a lot apparently but not on an organic basis when they sell the company after five years in this case because they've been using debt to fund acquisitions the debt level at exit is higher than the debt level at entry the level is
0: higher right so so not not relatively right the debt relative to enterprise value may not be higher but the total amount of debt has gone up because you just kept on buying more businesses adding debt and in fact in the 1980s and 1990s, where I think they used more of this value bridge, it was a bit more logical because the classic uh, uh, deal was we borrow at 80-90% and we pay down the debt over the life of the deal as much as we can because we wanted to list this company. So we wanted to bring the debt from 90% or 80% down to like 30% because that was what typically publicly company had in terms of leverage. And so the goal in, of the game was you need to bring the debt all the way down to 30. As soon as you did that, you could do an IPO and exit. And so, so that was the entire thing. And so therefore, in, a, in such a situation to say what was a change in debt from beginning to the end and saying this is how much it contributed to my value creation is still wrong, but it's not completely stupid. But now we change to a world where almost all of the private equity deals uh, have add-on acquisitions. In fact, there are as many add-on acquisitions, actually uh, slightly more than there is platform acquisition. So most of the deals in private equity are things to be added to an existing company. So there is not this, this, uh, this thing that sometimes people fantasize about that private equity just breaks down businesses. It's actually the opposite. They put businesses together uh, and, and, and make them bigger this way. But, but what that means is that then the value bridge becomes ballistic because the value bridge tells you that your earnings are going through the roof. And so your, the contribution to value creation of earnings is gigantic. But again, a lot of it is artificial, if not all of it. And the contribution of debt is now negative because debt is going up in value and not down over the life of a deal. And so you end up with a value bridge telling you, you know, multiple arbitrage, so buying low, selling high, contributed zero to value creation earnings contributed a huge amount to value creation and um, debt actually contributed negatively to value creation and you see nowadays some practitioners with these kind of slides saying well you know debt negatively contributed to value creation and you're like well i thought you were smart if that was contributing negatively to value creation meaning it destroyed value surely you could just like borrow less money um, right. and, 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 but people, you know, somehow don't, you know, don't pay too much attention to that. And I've seen this, even like in front of my students, 300 people in a the lecture theater, big private conference, a guy would be there and straight face. I'll say, look, you know, it was, I remember these numbers vividly that contributes minus 7% to value creation. We have 107% contributed by earnings growth and zero from multiple arbitrage and all the students were like oh my god these guys are so good and you're like oh jesus <laughs> you're, you're, you're,
1: you're, i'm 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 disappointed in your
0: students that's all i can say well this was before my course like we have this big private equity conference like in february march and then they can take my course only in april and so until april they are really as uneducated as any lbs student or or, or any okay student right, they right. Have.
1: okay well, and, and just to... So, so this is a joke. Example, I'm
0: sorry for IBS BS student.
1: So, the, so, the, um, so the, the other example that we were talking about before was, so you were talking about uh, private equity firms using these examples uh, in front of your students. As you know, um, I have found public documents that make it very clear that private equity firms use the value bridge directly when they're marketing to some of the biggest pension funds in the world. So they go to the very big pension funds in North America, and they say, we can prove that we create lots of value because all all of the gains in our buyouts come from um, earnings growth, or a, a very high proportion of it comes from earnings growth. And when you read through the public documents that are available, it's very clear the tool they're using to quote-unquote prove that the value creation all comes from earnings growth is the value bridge. So they're probably in there saying, even though we use a high level of debt, debt makes no contribution to our return. Mathematically, it's true. Economically, it's misleading at best.
0: Yeah, I've, I've seen these documents with major public pension funds in the U.S. where the like the head of private equity would say to like the board who is clueless usually about private equity, um, would tell the board, look, um, we invest in private equity and they create a lot of value and it's all due to earnings growth and nothing comes from leverage. So don't worry about them borrowing 60, 70% of the money um, to be highly levered, et cetera. Do not worry about that because I've, in fact that doesn't contribute to value creation. It all, it's all coming from earnings. And there you're like your head explodes you're like if you use that (laughs) it's more risky okay that's it like just stop here please and and we we saw that with carpers recently like we have some transcript where this guy is saying like oh no they use more that but it's it's like kind of less risky it doesn't contribute to like value creation and and like mixing up everything and 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 it's amazing like everybody's just like swallowing it like there is no one you know you're one of (laughs) a rare person i've heard shouting at people um when they they, they they do such a thing and then and then you don't get a very warm uh <laughs> reception was, when you do
1: that right i was i was just about to say so that it's it's really it's pretty obvious why this is a this is a valuable story for insiders so it's really key for them to be able to persuade their investors using the story so um uh, as as you know i I've, I've written about this in the past and <clears throat> some people who i showed it to um, were quite unhappy and threatened to sue me so this is an industry that likes to keep the story the way it wants the story kept